0: Thank you. Australian Hunger, and today's show I've got an interview with Annie and Elisa for Grief. Their debut single, Second Summer, is out now. Um, that in just a little bit, but before we get to that, I noticed the show date for the Testament Exodus and Death Angel tour had been cancelled due to COVID-19, uh, which has commonly been called the coronavirus, and I'm going to read from a Metal Sucks article on the topic. Testament Exodus and Death Angel, who are currently touring Europe together, announced that their gig... February 5th in Milan, Italy, have been cancelled. Over 200 Italians have been diagnosed with the coronavirus since late last week and five have died, mostly in the northern region of Lombardy, where Milan is. The venue where the tour was scheduled to play, the live club of Trezzo, has cancelled all upcoming events through at least March 1st under orders of the president of the Lombardy region. Many towns in the region are in full lockdown modes, with residents prevented from leaving or entering, and public events at which large numbers of people gather, such as concert, have been taken down en masse. So we see like this disease presents a serious medical issue throughout the world. You know, hundreds of people have died. I think it might be over 100,000 people contracted worldwide, um, centred particularly around China and particularly the Wuhan region, where I believe it originated from. But more than that, it also presents this additional problem of disrupting things. And I don't think it's such a big deal <laughs> disrupting a Testament Exodus and Death Angel concept. But if this spreads and it remains a significant problem throughout the world and you see lockdowns like this and perhaps spanning over a number of days, weeks, months, who knows? One of the things I really worry about this is sort of the additional effects. The potential disrupts food supplies, medical supplies, trade relations, the potential disrupts sort of things which keep our lives going, but even more that things that are really important to the basic ability of us to not not just enjoy our lives, but like live them in a secure sense. So I think in particular, you know, a lot of drugs are supplied from China. A lot of the, I can't remember if it's the actual drugs or the chemical compounds which are then utilized in the drugs, but the drug supply, I believe in Australia, I know it is very much so in the United States, relies on China. And if there's any sort of disruption to that, it could be really, really troubling to see and and could really present a real disruption to the way we live our lives. And it's really disappointing the fact that China was incredibly secretive about this, didn't open up as early as it should have to the international community to construct some sort of joint effort. And also the very lax approach. There's been a number of reports over the last couple of days about the fact that the Trump administration is basically not taking this very seriously. And... When we have all this medical technology, when we have all this knowledge about diseases, the potential to generate vaccines, the potential to generate treatments to ameliorate the, the effects of disease, it doesn't mean much if we don't actually have governmental systems, international systems, which work to prevent it, And that's kind of what I'm worried about. Um, and I like, I was better to just tie it back to heavy metal. <laughs> But grief. I talked to Abby and Elisa. They were very, very generous, and they came into the studio, which is always great to you know, have people in the studio. It's it's much easier to can have that conversation, to be able to sort of talk to people while you're looking at them. It's sort of you're able to better get their point, your point across. They're able to better feel like they're communicating properly with you, and it's an overall, it's a really, really enjoyable experience. So they released their debut single, Second Summer, and they'll also be playing in Melbourne on the 28th, um, playing with friends of show, Encircling Sea and Plowshare. So if you're free on Friday, you're in Melbourne, go check them out. And obviously, the song that I play in between the interview is Second Summer, Abby and Elisa from Grief. Um, So for people listening, introduce yourselves, who are you, what do you do in the band?
1: my name's elisa and i play bass in grief
2: uh and my name's abby and i'm the vocalist
0: so how'd the band start
1: well um my partner andy who's the lead guitarist and the songwriter of the band um he and i were just yeah playing around he taught me how to play bass actually um Playing in our bedroom for years and years, started writing songs together. Um, And Abby was a friend of ours, and Abby came over and she brought her keyboard, and we would kind of jam in our bedroom and write songs and just have fun and hang out, drink beers, and chill. And it kind of, yeah, evolved into Beckett joining who's another good friend of ours and Kyle joining as the drummer at the end who Abby and Kyle have um, or had. uh, They used to work together in another R&B project called Minor Fauna. And yeah.
2: Yeah, it was never sort of like something that happened intentionally. It wasn't like we set out to start a band. It just kind of happened organically and slowly over time. Yeah, we, we kind of found our puzzle pieces, and here we go. Yeah, we were like, oh, yeah,
1: you want to play? Sure. In fact, it's like, yeah, I'll come over and hang out in our tiny bedroom. And, and I remember at one point, we didn't have a drummer, and we played just the four of us for so long in our bedroom. Um, and we were like, we just want to hear it with drums. And we called... That guy, and he came over and like set up a full kit in our bedroom. (laughs) 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 He wasn't random. He was what, a friend of, I don't, a friend of your friend, but I remember that day and him rolling up and we're like, yep, so welcome. This is our room. Uh, Yeah, it was, it was just, it was cute. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, At what point did it sort of become like, this is something we want to perform live with? We want to actually, you know, release material as. How did it sort of grow from some sort of you know, this, this thing of ours to something you know more formal, I guess?
2: I think it was kind of like once we'd had the final, like the band formed together and everyone was committed to the band and we had a set, um, I think maybe it was one of Kyle, the drummer's friends, um, just asked if we would want to play a show and we all were like, yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, like, and then that was kind of when...
1: Yeah, we started because we started hiring at like rehearsal spaces once we got Kyle um, on board and we that way it was just easier. And we, yeah, we could, we started practicing regularly um, just to hang out with each other mm-hmm. and for fun and to see where the music went. And if we could. Yeah. And then I guess we were like, well, we should play live. It would just be fun. And it would yeah. be. The, and so when we got asked, we were like, cool, we have something to practice for now, a performance, yeah. and then after that first performance, we were
0: like, "Yeah, let's do it." So when was that p- first performance? I think it was uh, March 2018. Oh my! So gosh. what? It's been Did it's been two years. Research?
2: Was that the oh, one in like Footscray? It? Was that the Sloth
0: Bar show? I don't remember. But <laughs>
2: I don't <laughs> either. That, that was actually our first show. It was um, yeah in Footscray at Sloth Bar, which I don't really know much about the venue, but. Um, it was just like this total wild card lineup of acts that were playing that night I think we were the only heavy band it was like an open mic night of like local acts and we were just out the front of this tiny little bar and people were kind of spilled out onto the street and uh, by the end of it everyone was like what the fuck was that I
1: think we closed it yeah we finished the there was like ten bands there was like a blues duo before us (laughs) like yeah yeah, spoken word poetry and some dads Yeah, yeah it was It was kind of eclectic. It was cool. Yeah, it was totally cool. It was a very, like, neighbourhood feel. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. So, obviously, there's sort of been a few iterations, kind of, of the band. Has that changed the sound from, you know, you and Andy from the beginning? Has that evolved at all? Or was there sort of original sound there? How how has that worked out?
1: Um, It's definitely evolved. I think the foundation has always been heavy and dark. Um, Andy... It comes from a hardcore background. He's played in a few hardcore bands, which is, um, yeah, kind of how we met because I grew up in Orange County where there's a really big hardcore scene. So we kind of, I met him in California and we got to know each other based on that. So it always had like a heavy, found, a darker foundation. It was more, I guess, blue, like dark folk in a way. Very yeah. Black Sabbathy
2: inspired chords and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we we totally had like some country twang and a lot of sure. songs as well. That's kind of like dissolved now that we're a full band, but. Yeah, back when it was like just the three of us, there was even a point where there was one song that was so country I would chuck the Akubra on (laughs) (laughs) and sing in an accent, like in a really
1: heavy accent. It was, and we called it the country song. So it was definitely yeah. And Avi like has comes from a folk background as well, so it was very it was like dark
2: folk blues Sabbath. I think at one point we were calling it horror country. (laughs) Yeah.
0: What about about the name? Where did that come into it? Where did you come up with that from?
2: Um, So we we were thinking of a name for a long time. We had... We had lots of names on the list. At one point, it was actually Sway Fever, yeah. which has now been passed on to a, to someone who does house music. Yeah, basically. to a friend of ours, he took the name. Um, <laughs> and then and then we became Good Grief. Just uh, someone was passing by in the park one day, and we had these two options, and I just asked a stranger, I said, which, which name do you like better? And he said, oh, Good Grief. So we stuck with that for a while, and then it's yeah. only been recently before we played with Yulva in November, that um, September yeah. yeah, we decided to drop, to the, drop good. the good out and just keep the grief just because we thought it was a little bit more grown up.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. it's definitely more mature, and I feel like that is kind of how our sound has evolved as well. It's yeah. kind of gone from not being... I mean, we still don't take it too seriously, but I think it's become... We all feel more safe now within the unit and the container of the band to be to uh, grieve yeah. yeah to like
2: be be to express yeah to express Yeah, without it feeling too much like just something we do in Elisa's bedroom yeah say. so it's nice
0: <laughs> one, one like random question like you feel like a little mascot or something it's like your Instagram, uh, like oh, yeah. The, yeah, I don't I, I think I've interviewed any bands which have like a little mascot.
2: Ooh, that's cool. <laughs> so that's um our beautiful friend Shazana. She's an artist. She goes by the name Loser Art, and she's pretty much like our in-house sort of artist. She does all the fonts on like what you see on the uh, single cover, um, and yeah, she Great. had just drawn this sort of Doberman dog and then she said I think this is for grief and I was like I agree with you Mm. and it's just kind of stuck
3: yeah
1: yeah she's definitely a huge inspiration to all of us um yeah she knows the whole band we wouldn't be grief
2: like if Shazana her sort of visual influence wasn't there I don't think it would be grief yeah I feel like yeah her giving that
1: visual thing to to represent it makes it's almost like where we can step into that. Yeah. It's kind of like a costume in yeah, a sense. Yeah, it's like the cape yeah. that you put on before. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, well, this is, yeah, you have something, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, it is, it's like a a cape yeah.
0: or a mask. Uh, moving on to the music now, i want to take it, sort of approach the single first and then maybe broaden it out a bit. When did you start working on that particular piece of music?
3: Five Um, years ago.
2: Five years ago, (laughs) shit. It was one of the very initial songs that we sort of would just jam acoustically um, at Andy and Elise's. And it's had a few different um, structure changes over time. Mm. Um, But it's, yeah, it's stuck with us for so long that we thought it was, um, yeah, we had to do it justice by releasing it, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think we... It was one of the first songs we wrote together, yeah. and we just couldn't... We've dropped so many songs, but we couldn't let go of that one. No. Something about it that, yeah, we've, we've, we've worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and changed it so many times. It's so funny. On my phone, there's, like, years and years of different, like, iPhone recordings from practice, and it's, like, second summer version one, second summer, you know, it just going back, yeah, five years ago. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's cool. It's one of the oldies.
0: <laughs> How has it changed over the years?
2: Um, well, when I first joined, joined the band, um, Andy would, you know, write the song, like, the music, and then, um, yeah, Elisa would record it on her phone and, like, send it to my phone. And then I would go home, put it onto my laptop, open it up in Logic, and just start, like, singing, like, writing lyrics and stuff. And back then, I wrote the vocal parts for it and it was like layered and layered and layered with harmonies like it sounded so pretty and nice and I think it was in a higher key then as well um, and now it's, it's definitely like, dropped down it's a lot sadder <laughs> it keeps now. getting lower and lower and lower <laughs> um, and there wasn't we didn't have the breakdown until like the we didn't have like that heavy section of the song at the end until maybe six months ago do you think
1: yeah no I think the heavy section the heavy sections moved we had it in the song twice once in like after that really quiet part yeah and then I can't even remember now yeah (laughs) We've had it. It's changed so many times. It's,
0: yeah. When, when did you guys play with... Um, reference? right? Yeah, Future Corpse. Were you Yeah, the like, Rev. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. I, I feel like it may have been back then mm-hmm. as well. Or maybe it was differently structured. I can't remember. So, yeah, I think it's been there for a while.
1: Yeah, it's, oh, the, okay. there's always been well, the, the breakdown. The, the breakdown or the, the heavy bit. But I feel like it's become... I know Andy intentionally wanted to change it because he thought it was cheesy and too oh, like ginger. Oh yeah, gin, gin, yeah! Gin, gin. It's
2: so cheesy, but that's what. But it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah.
0: So how did how did it come into the song? Like, well, well why? Because you said the sort of it wasn't there for a while. How did it come into the song? Why did it come into the song?
2: So, um, in the past, it used to be just a stop. So it'd be like stop and then it would just come back into the chorus and keep going um yeah and then i think i don't know we'll just have practice one day and i think i was getting just kind of bored of the song because i mean it's been half a decade now mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and then
2: i like, repeating well, the same lyric over and over. different, different <laughs> happens after that part like let's go somewhere else with it and then you know and he was like okay and then he just sort of like wrote an entirely and
1: i think the the theme within all of the songs that we have is like it builds it builds and then it kind of crescendos and it reaches this climax
2: and yeah it's just or kind like of, unexpected changes or
1: yeah yeah and we like that yeah sometimes andy's like it's too weird and like no <laughs> <laughs> i
0: like weird you have said that there's been a bunch of songs which you've been had around for a while some you've sort of left in the past why this song why has it sort of just kept on going you've brought it with you all these years
2: that's a good question I think maybe um, one it was one of our better songs (laughs) secondly Second Summer like really kind of formed the foundation for what kind of music we wanted to make I think we all had an attachment to that song um, in different ways. Yeah. And um, when we started playing shows live, that was always the song that people would be like, oh, what was that one song? Yeah. The third song you played. And it would always be that track. So people remember it. People like, people like that would regularly come to our shows, that's the song that they wanted as well. So, like, and congrats. maybe it's because we repeat the same thing over and, <laughs> <laughs> and
1: over again. Ingrain it in. in it. But yeah, it seemed to be the song that, like, got stuck in everyone's head mm. and and everyone has a different version of, of the what they think the I lyrics think. <laughs> are. But I also think that it's maybe it represents the band the most equally and balanced, I think, yeah. because a lot of the songs, Abby's vocals are kind of in the background. And that's also intentional. So I feel like it represents Abby and her voice and her words, um, as well as showcasing the rest
2: of the bit. It's just like the most evenly balanced song. Yeah, there's only maybe like two songs in total where you can actually hear what I'm saying or like hear my voice up that loud. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah,
1: it's just, it's nice. And I feel like it's a nice way to introduce grief. To, yeah. to the world yeah like this is what we
0: are Yeah. well one thing that I find really fascinating is I've interviewed some bands which they say like alright this is our writing period we've written the songs we will record them and then there are other bands that like they don't write in as much they like to jam They'll just kind of go in there and they'll just pulverize a section for hours and hours and hours until it feels right. In more of like just trying to like experiment with it rather than kind of write something, bring it to the band. There's a variety of different processes, but what I find really fascinating about that is the idea that at one stage a song is going to be finalised and that's it. Like. Uh, what what is it like for you that this song has been changing you know you've you've moved in particular this section around for a while you know dropped it brought it back in and now it's kind of like this is the song this is you know second summer forever more
2: yeah It honestly it feels it feels like once we got to this like iteration of the song it was like a full stop on the writing process for that song for sure. i think it was like this unspoken relief that we were like oh that 's the song like that
1: 's how we 're going to play it, like we can 't change it <laughs> yeah. any- anymore no more. like that 's how we 're playing it,
2: yeah yeah
1: that 's true, yeah, but and I think it 's kind of like everyone we 're all quite proud, like yeah it 's kind of nice it 's like having a child i' don't know how have a child, but i don 't know it 's like that 's that, and that 's okay, and we can just accept that
3: how yeah. it is.
1: and yeah. not feel the need to. Because we do tend to...
2: It just didn't ever really feel done. It didn't feel right. Like I mean, it was still always a really great song, but there was always just something that was just not right mm. or, or missing or whatever. But then, yeah, when we got to that that phase or that, that version of the song, it was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And we could just sort of lean into it and, and be happy with it.
1: And I feel like this is where we're at as well. We're ready to start... Recording and putting things out in the world and kind of finalising things. Yeah. Um, which is part of the process as well, right? It's like you make these songs and then you record them and then they're there and you move on. Yeah. <laughs> and then you move on and you yeah. make new stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. So we talked a little bit about, like, the way Second Summer sort of changed, but I kind of want to speak a little bit more generally. Like, how do you guys... Let's say you've either got a new song that you want to work on. You're like, we need a new song for whatever reason. Or this song, it's not quite there. We need to move it forward. We need to make it more than it already is. Like, how do you guys as a band go about, like, writing, improving, finishing music? How does that work for you guys?
1: Our process is very... So simple. Simple, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Andy will sometimes, or most of the time, ha- just have an idea at home. Like Elisa and Andy will just ride at home together with no one else there, um, just in their spare time. And then he'll bring that to like a gen- like a practice session where everyone will sort of jam. And I'll just kind of like take a backseat and listen. I don't have like a lot of input on any of the structure initially because I really love the idea that there isn't like a verse-chorus, verse-chorus Style thing, so Mm. I kind of like wait to do my bit after I feel that Andy and Elisa and Beckett and Kyle have, um, yeah, formed the basis of the song, Mm. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, Andy generally, like, or Beckett, like, and they they spend a lot of time together, the two guitarists spend a lot of time together, and they'll just come on with the riff, um, or yeah, and and just bring it to practice, and then Andy will be like, this is kind of what I was thinking. Kyle, you do something like... Da-da-da-da-da. And Kyle's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, but I was thinking more like this. And then it just kind of becomes this, like, everyone's putting in their input. Um, and then we play it, and we play it, and we feel, and then we go, nah, we'll change that. Yeah, it is. It's kind of like, it's a group thing. It's absolutely yeah. a group thing. And Abby always... Um, Abby comes up, and after she kind of shows us her ideas, that then changes the song again, yeah with melody with tone so
2: yeah, mm. yeah.
0: so in terms of like the vocals, what are like at what stage do you feel comfortable entering it, and like what do you what's your kind of approach to generating ideas and sort of adding your part to the song
2: um I generally don't. Start like jamming stuff or like singing into the mic, improvising stuff until I feel like the-, the rest of the band has sort of really found like a bit of a groove with what they want. Um, and then I'll just start singing, like, I just start improvising stuff. Um, I'm like super comfortable with all of them, like, normally, yeah, we're I'm all really, really
1: close friends. Shy, as well.
2: yeah, like, person when it comes to performing, but I don't. Yeah, I feel comfortable with them. So I'll just start singing, and um, I think, like, with Grief, for me, uh, it's probably, like, one of the only projects that I do at the moment where I feel I can sing quite candidly about my experiences in life. And so I really have just been drawing on, um, yeah, experiences that I've had in my life that I feel are relevant to the project. And, Mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice, and I just sort of like yeah. play around with phrasing and, like, to be completely honest, there's a lot of songs in our set where I don't, I don't all, I have don't like there's some no of them I haven't said the same are, thing yeah. twice or <laughs> it, it'll just change every time. Like maybe one time I'll be saying you, and then the next time I perform it's me. Like yeah, mm-hmm. so it's all pretty loose. Yeah.
0: it's more about like the, the the feel or sort of texture rather than like actual lyrics
2: yeah absolutely like um I always sort of wanted to approach grief as a vocalist that contributed to the project more as an instrument than a vocalist or like a front person with these sort of very apparent lyrics or anything I always just wanted to add a layer so that's kind of what I try and do
1: yeah. yeah everyone's very equal yeah. in the band it's yeah, yeah. everyone kind of we all trust each
0: other I think to
1: do their part
0: yeah yeah mm. talk a little bit about how sort of the bass comes into it mm. like so you've got Andy and Beckett you know sort of doing I don't know their sort of section of it mm. how does the bass come into it
1: very simply <laughs> um Yeah, I'd say I'm still, I mean, it's coming, I'm still quite new to my instrument, considering. Um, I've been playing for maybe, yeah, five years. Um, And for me, I just find simple is better. Um, For me, it's more of like an embodiment and a feeling rather than like skills. So if I'm just playing the same note over and over again but it's in time and I can feel it I feel like that provides more of a genuine vibe rather than making things complicated so the bass is generally just literally like that baseline to keep everyone in time to keep everyone to it's almost like I got you and I always yeah. will look at everyone every so often and just be like we're good like yeah we're he, really, I'm here really we're, does. Does. we're good like last at that show mm,
2: when you were playing and I, I turned to you, it's like she definitely brings more to the band than just the bass. It's like this whole like energy that Thank really you. supports everyone, which is, you know, what the bass does as well. So mm. Thanks.
3: Cool. <laughs>
1: Yeah. well, you know, you can feel the energy of the room and generally it's like the first two songs that everyone's a bit like nervous and you don't know how they're gonna react. Yeah, and you kind of have to get out of your head of like doing it for them. Or if personally, at least that's my experience. You kinda of get on stage and you're like, oh, I want to impress everyone and then you're like, No, I don't. Like I don't <laughs> give a shit actually. Like I wanna feel good or I wanna feel this with my with my family on stage. So yeah. It's kind of so simple. Simple is my method.
0: <laughs> well, one one thing I kinda of find really fascinating about the lyrics for Second Summer is the amount of repetition, you know Obviously, there's a lot of repetition in music and, you know, we're talking about choruses and stuff. But the idea of that repetition flowing through an entire song, I, I do... That's kind of a fascinating idea. Talk a little bit about that.
2: Um, so I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I think I liken the repetition in the song. So as I was saying earlier, I, I like to draw on a lot of experiences in my life, dark ones. And so... Um, you know if you think about a bad experience that you've had in your life this is something that's going to stay with you forever like you won't forget those things unfortunately a lot of the time and I think for myself personally I have gone over and gone over and gone over experiences in my head and tried to you know make sense of them or whatever and I feel that's what the way that I've written the song lyrically and, um, melodically and with the repetition is sort of, um, is doing is, um, representing is just that going over and going over and going over until whether you reach a conclusion, that's good or bad. Like that's what I think was also really good about this heavy section at the end of the song. Cause it was like, okay, you go over something, you go over it and then you have this burst of emotion or you know what I mean or healing or whatever it is
0: yeah Mm. one other thing that I really like about the lyrics is like going through them it's like lots of of contradictory phrases paired up together Yeah. talk a little bit about that
2: um how do I explain (laughs) (laughs)
3: like secrets (laughs) I've never really spoken
2: about lyrics before um I think I I was just plainly trying to describe a situation or a time and the experience that I've had um, by just picking out things that make that memory stick in my head. So not explaining the experience but just explaining the elements that, that made it up or that made it occur. Um but I think, yeah, the the contradictory like elements to it is a bit hard to explain. <laughs> I know I, I know what I want to say, but I can't I can't get it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: write
2: a song about it. Yeah, write a song. <laughs> this is how you express yourself.
0: <laughs> uh, well, let's talk some more generally about the song, Like, Talk a little bit about how you guys went about recording it.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um...
2: With Javon, who's amazing, a friend. We met him because we put on a house show, and we booked him yeah. as a support. And then, um, yeah, he was like, "Oh, do you, have you guys recorded anything?" We're like, "No, we don't. We don't know any engineers in Melbourne, yeah. and the ones we're just that we do, we you know." <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm like a recording engineer. Like, come down to the studio. Let's do it." Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, and he's like, he's studying, so he was like going to record our song as a final project and then that didn't end up happening he just did it as a favor which was so lovely of him but yeah we really kind of hit it off when he played um with us we I don't know there was something about that show as well because his style of music is is nothing like ours apart from maybe the content of it being dark and that being it's
2: like the soundcloud rap yeah it's like sad sad boy rap but he also has a background in
1: hardcore. in heavy music yeah. yeah so he got it and he really connected to our songs as well and we kind of stayed in touch and um, yeah it was she's really lovely to work with yeah it's cool friend
0: going through that experience, is, is there anything you like picked up or like would want to do better in sort of future recordings
3: mm. Well,
2: one thing I picked up is that recording vocals for grief is a lot easier than any other project I've ever... (laughs) It was just, like, all a one-take thing for me. So I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And for me, too, it was a (laughs) one-take thing. Again, simple. But I think um, the
1: guitarists and Kyle... I mean, we've only recorded one song. We're in the process. We're actually recording drums on when tomorrow. Um, Kyle's going in to record with Javon, and that's gonna we're gonna start up the EP. But um, yeah, I was it was very simple for me as well. I think um, Andy really enjoyed adding more layers, um, and maybe he'll get a bit more creative with like some effects pedals or layering other sounds and things yeah. like that. I think the recording process will. Perhaps I can't speak on his behalf, but I think from what I gathered from that experience that he he might be able to get a bit more creative with that. Same with Beckett, with like looping things and effects and I guess just having the space and the time to go back over to, to perfect things a bit more.
2: Yeah.
0: Hmm. yeah. Talk a little bit about the cover art.
2: Well, the single art is a photograph of my dad. Um elisa and i were just at home one day we, we actually weren't planning on releasing the song until later this month um and then we decided to put it out earlier um just for a few different reasons and so we were like shit we need to get all this stuff organized and so By we were this sitting, day sitting in a room just talking about like you know what what is second summer like what are, would we like and I don't know, that picture of my dad just popped into my head and I I showed Elisa and she loved it. And then I quickly ran it by the rest of the band. Didn't run it by my dad. (laughs) He loves it though. Um, And then, yeah, I just kind of like, once I got everyone's approval, I just, I shot it off to Shazana and I just said, do you want to add anything to this? Like anything at all? And she was like, I just want to add the the text grief Mm -hmm. and second summer and then yeah so nice and simple again yeah
1: I think we just we just wanted to keep it simple I think we'll put more more we have ideas for the EP um, and make it more of a more conceptual thing with maybe a video clip perhaps yeah Um, but I think with the single we were like enough is enough we just want to get it out in the world so we didn't think too hard about um about the art around it, other than I guess like the consistent like typeface that Shazan yeah. made for us that we really love. Um, it was we found ourselves thinking too hard about it and then we're like, fuck it, like Yeah. We just wanna release the song. We could we were just gonna put it put the name Grief on a black background and call it a day. Mm. But the photo popped into Abby's head and it was it suited it.
3: Yeah.
0: from bands I've you know, seen you play with Future Corpse you know, you're going to be playing with Plowshare which is a very noisy sort of black death metal kind of band I don't know I, I talk a little about those experiences playing with like just really different bands from different kind of poles of music
2: mm. I think it honestly just comes from the fact that um, none of us are from Melbourne Um kind of like pariahs of the genre world we don't really know where we fit I feel we yeah. still don't really know and so all of our shows have come from you know networking and friends and people that come to our shows and they're like oh that was really sick we'd love to play with you yeah it I think feel so nice. it's
1: been actually so one of the most enjoyable parts about playing in this band yeah. is the variety and the diversity of bands that we get to play with and to watch like where we're kind of finding ourselves like you know I and I guess that's the thing with us is that we we can kind of be put here put there we can play with hip-hop artists maybe yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, hopefully um yeah so it's it's been really cool like for instance we know we played on Friday um with the world at a glance and blind girls and Gil is it Gil, how do you say it? Crim Orange? Creme, oh. Creme,
2: Creme, Creme, Creme. Or Creme. I don't know. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I they were that all that amazing. Like yeah. the most amazing lineup of bands. And it was just so humbling to be like, yeah, like, we do kind of fit here. Like, this is so cool to, to, to be with these people and this community and how supportive it was um, and relate to and still really enjoy their music and relate. And then, yeah, the Future Corpse gig and the Giant Clam gigs where they were like a bit more like math rocky mm-hmm. um, is kind of, I guess, where we started because of who we knew at the time, like Kyle's friends and... Um, so random so so random but like we also were like yeah this fits too like this we don't totally stand you know it's not that odd that we're playing here and then opening for yulva was just a dream of ours and to be considered for that lineup was like wow okay maybe we might be taken into consideration being a heavy maybe we are a heavy band
2: like kind of got to a point too where we didn't really know where to go or where to fit so we just started putting on our own shows at my house and and those lineups were like we would have like a dj yeah like a full-on dj like a proper dj and then yeah like a hip-hop artist and then we would play and i i never felt like that was like too much of a jarring thing either no it it kind of just made sense it could have worked It was kind of like well you know
1: For those of you that like electronic music or hip hop and R and B, like there are still elements that maybe you can identify with in our music, which I guess kind of is because we're all fans of so (laughs) many huge hip hop fans and just fans of so many different styles of music, (laughs) so many different styles. So it's awesome, and I can't wait to play the show on Friday with (laughs) Encircling C and these noisy bands and see how we fit into that too, and like. Yeah, it's the, been the best part about playing in this band is just kind of finding our finding our way through all of these different like little subcultures and s- places that we're kind of we get this insight into, which is like such a privilege. Yeah, um, to be a part of these communities. Yeah,
0: you talked a little bit about this earlier, but like I'm more interested in like you're up on stage, like there is a thing besides just the pure mechanical playing of music, like that you're trying to do. And free to you. What is that? Ooh,
2: for me, um, I like have been a vocalist forever, and I think there's always this expectation. I don't know if it's from other people or if I've just put it on myself that when you sing in a band, you're meant to be up the front and you know pumping the crowd up and all those sorts of things and engaging with people but in grief I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get behind the band to be honest and just like be myself and be really authentic about what it is that I'm saying and hopefully people can connect with that that way instead of me having to like look in people's eyes and be like how are you going <laughs> yeah. mm. so I'm trying kind to of connect with people as a vocalist in a, in a new way that's mm. about in, in great for myself personally but yeah I
1: yeah. I think that I mean I, I teach yoga as well and part of my role as a yoga teacher and the responsibility that I take is this holding of space for other people mm. and it's something I and passionate about, and I, I have felt held by music in so many different ways um, as a listener and consumer of it. So I feel like, yeah, my rather than this, yeah, it's, it's a holding of space for other people. Yeah. I think it's like a, it's a, it's a, a creating an energy or creating a feeling for people, or hoping to at least um, yeah. of of connection yeah of connection
2: and introspection introspection
1: of stillness yeah of being vulnerable and feeling safe but also feeling free to express in any way that you want and to
2: yeah yeah like close your eyes when you come to a grief show and see what comes up yeah like make yourself or, or just simply,
1: you don't have to do anything. You don't have to act a certain way or dance a certain way or dress a certain way. It's just an embodiment of music, vibration of being together. Yeah.
2: And it's really beautiful because at the um, the show that we played on, with The World at a Glance and Blind Girls and stuff, um, when we got off stage from playing... Uh, a good friend of ours actually came up to me and gave me a big hug and was like they don't don't go to heavy shows ever but they came and gave me a big hug and they were like that was really healing and I was like damn yeah that's what grief is like that's what we are trying to do we're trying to heal
3: ourselves (laughs) shit
0: (laughs) you mentioned working on EP talk a little bit about the the future of grief Hmm.
2: the future of grief um i think just to continue doing what we're doing um without putting too many expectations on ourselves, on our community on our friends or anything for um you know things to go a certain way um we started grief because we all got something out of it and because we love doing it and it makes us all feel good and so i think we want to continue <laughs> doing that for sure exactly. i I find that like it's
1: act, it's been so exciting and having all of these shows kind of lined up, and not having any expectation of what it's gonna be like, um, has just been so cool because you go and you're so surprised, and it just kind of it just feels really natural and I feel like yeah none of us are trying to make this anything specific it just is yeah we just play together and we all love doing it. So I think it's the future I hope for, I hope that we record the CP, have some more music out in the world and just continue playing shows. Like continue playing shows and meeting really cool people and finding ourselves in spaces that we maybe normally wouldn't be in if we were just one singular person. But as a group we can kind of, yeah, meet really interesting people because of the music and I hope that continues.
2: And I think maybe the future of grief is it being more um, prevalent in each of the band members' lives. Like, it will be something that becomes more, you know, um, of a priority or important to us as things move on. And, um, yeah, for sure. I would love... I mean, I think we're
1: all pretty dedicated to this, um, and we all make sure that there's time for it. So. If we continue that way hopefully yeah you know. play more shows <laughs> put out more music yeah write new songs yeah
0: so in terms of like heavy music what is your background with that kind of I don't know sort of part of the musical landscape
2: um so I grew up in Yamba in New South Wales which is um just south of not just south, but south of Byron Bay. Um, And so in the town where I grew up, there wasn't anything to do really ever, except for every now and then there's hardcore shows on. And so as a really young teenager, like 14, 15, that's what I would do. My mum would drop me off at these like halls and I'd go and watch hardcore bands. And I just, I loved it. I just, and I also... I think it's really cool because I was like oh it's just always boys <laughs> like, it's mm. always boys in these bands but yeah I just kind of that's where it sort of started for me and then um yeah I've always just loved heavy music and it just sort of went from there
1: yeah I have a similar story I grew up in southern Orange County in California and although I think the first style of music that I really got into from from my best friend's older sister was hip-hop, like old-school hip-hop um, and R&B. It was around the same time that I discovered... Or that, like, I mean, Orange County, you go to all-ages shows. That's just what you do um, when you're in high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back in 2003, 2004, mm-hmm. like the scene days, it was just like you'd go... Hang out, hang out at the Del Taco parking lot, and you'd go to Chain Reaction and see an all ages gig. Um, and that was just kind of where I found myself was with, um, yeah, the hardcore kids. There was a big straight edge scene, there was a big metal scene, um, and, and everyone. And, and it's so funny, the interesting thing about Southern California is that if you are into, regardless of what type of music you're into, whether it be hardcore, or metal, whatever like you like hip-hop as well like it's just kind of ingrained so i think i always felt fine kind of rolling through at these shows and stuff um and all of my friends were in hardcore bands um we'd throw they'd have so many house shows and things like that and it was just what we did when we were underage, and still what we did when we could drink but um is go to these all ages venues they were like little sanctuaries so definitely um Grew up with it. We
2: were doing the same shit. on the (laughs) the other side of the world. Yeah, yeah.
0: You you talked a little bit about you know both you've both talked about hardcore. I think you mentioned earlier on that Andy was in some hardcore bands as well. I wouldn't say grief is like is hardcore in any way. Like, but 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 what do you think? Do you think there is any hardcore influence there?
1: I think I think perhaps hardcore was the first introduction to heavy music for me. Um and for Andy, I know that for a fact. Um so I think for me I I kind of took that and and explored it a bit deeper and um got interested in other genres. Um got into a lot of like stoner rock and um yeah and now I've found myself in this place of well that grief I think grief today is influenced heavily by like Chelsea Wolfe and um King Woman and these more um I don't even know it's evolution of all of these different genres for and and still with this folk stream behind it, it's still mm-hmm. got this like, yeah, country, folky, um, melodic vibe underneath it all. And I think Andy got is is happy to be playing these types of chords rather than hardcore um, chord yeah. progressions and things like that. I, he enjoys it, but I think creatively he he feels these chord progressions more
2: um yeah i uh, think yeah it's like the hardcore the hardcore stuff is just like the gateway Mm. heavy genre that we were exposed to as kids and then you know yeah it opens you up to so much more and then yeah and then that's how we sort of like get to a point where we all and when you're so young
1: i don't know you go through so many phases but i find it interesting that that heavy music in general has always just been this thing that's always woven through everything every phase I've gone through yeah um, personally which is maybe because I was you know influenced by it at such a young age I yeah. don't know but, but yeah I don't know um, yeah grief is not Hardcore, not at all. At
0: all. <laughs> we don't even- so, Abby, I want to talk to you first about some of your other stuff outside of grief. Yeah, like when did you start doing vocals? You mentioned that you've been doing it for a while.
2: I grew up in a Pentecostal Christian household, so um, there's a lot of um, singing and stuff going on all the time. Um, yeah, it would have started way back then. Like, I remember being like maybe six or seven years old and going into the church on a Sunday and just walking straight up to the band because my dad was the pastor there <laughs> and just being like, Can I please sing this morning? Like, can I be in the band? And they'd just be like, Yeah, sure. I think they probably just gave me a mic that wasn't turned on or whatever. But yeah, that's kind of where it started. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Talk a little bit about your sort of approach to it because it's sort of very distinct style, I would say.
2: Um, my approach to it in grief, specifically? Or?
0: Well, grief, but also, like, I've listened to some of minor fauna, and, like, I, th- I feel like there's, you know, sort of a, a little bit of, sort of, similarity between the two.
2: Well, um, I guess, like, my vocal background is in folk, uh, music, um... And I find it really hard to sort of depart from that in anything that I do, whether it be pop R and B or Doom <laughs> So um yeah, I think I I still approach it with that sort of like really obvious like storytelling um sort of thing. Um yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. I don't know if I if I have like a very distinct approach um, or if I do, I'm just not very aware of it because I've literally been doing it for like 25 years. Um, yeah, not sure.
0: Talk a little bit about like minor fauna. What else do you do outside of grief?
2: Um, I'm also in another band called... Um, Abby's <laughs>
1: a million projects going on. I'm a
2: Gemini moon, okay? <laughs> um, I'm also in another project called Parlour. Um, have you heard of it? No. No? Okay. <laughs> well, we only just hit the socials. So um, I'm, I'm in parlour with a good friend of mine. Her name's Phoebe. She has her own solo project called Montgomery, which you can look up later if you want. Um, and it's a, it's a 80s synth pop sort of thing where we have completely different personas and we dress up as space cowgirls and... All of our songs are about ridiculous things. It's mostly comedy, um, but, like, the songs are good. Like, songs are good. <laughs> the songs well, are
1: good.
3: Why you gotta go and do cocaine? Yeah, yeah. Lots of lots
2: of silly content. Um, a whole, like, lore behind it, like, for, like whole story made up behind it. We've got this planet that we come from called Pansu, and... We've been fighting our arch-nemesis, Celepo there for quite some time, but we're coming down to Earth to do a few shows, so...
3: (laughs) So, yeah, that's
0: what I do.
2: (laughs) It's fun. Yeah, it is fun.
0: And what about minor fauna? When did that start and how's that been going?
2: Uh, Minor fauna started when I was still living on the Gold Coast, um... So I've lived in Melbourne for six years now so I guess about six years um, and then I came to Melbourne and um, I just decided to put a song on SoundCloud one day I had no idea what I was doing and then it sort of went from there I, had, um, I met someone who was really interested in the music and then they introduced me to Carl because they thought we'd work well together Carl's our drummer um, yeah, that's how it started and then, yeah, it's it's a funny one that project. It's very um, she's a bit off it at the moment. It's labour intensive for me. I think I do love it, but it's a lot. It's a lot of um, work.
0: <laughs> Elisa, hey so you said you got into bass about five years ago, sort of. You know, working with Andy, kind of to get this project, sort of between you and t- you two. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about like, uh, do you have any musical experience before that, and kind of learning bass, kind of like I don't know later in life, it's sort of a atypical experience.
1: Yeah, I think that I played the piano as a kid um, and the clarinet in school because you had to. Um, And I've been a huge fan of music my whole life. Like, it's just been something that I've always watched um, and dissected and listened to and researched um, and nerded out over. So I think that it kind of came quite naturally when I picked it up, and especially because it's just, you know, there's only four strings, and I didn't have to worry about, like, accidentally touching another string and... um, Andy's an amazing teacher. He, he taught guitar for so long, so um listening to him, and I think learning from your partner it could either be awesome or really shitty, and in this case, we worked really well together like i um I learned from him very clearly and well, and could kind of pick it up and I lived with my guitar teacher so I could or my bass teacher, so I can kind of ask questions and practice and um yeah, I think that. It, it just came from being such a fan of music and um, wanting to have that experience myself of playing of playing it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What are some of your favourite bands or albums?
2: Ooh. <laughs> Ariana Grande. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank You Next. Her latest, that's like her most recent <gasps> That album. always comes on um, when we've had
1: a few drinks in my backyard. Um. Black Sabbath is one of my favorite bands of all time. So um, definitely uh, love the classics. I love the classics. I grew up on the classics. So I love yeah Black Sabbath, um, Fleetwood Mac, um, and more current stuff. Yeah, Chelsea Wolfe is. I'm a huge fan. of her, every single thing that she's done I just love um,
2: Created in the image of suffering, King mm, Woman King Woman,
1: that was a what big is one um, Amen Ra everything yeah. they've ever made um, The Black Angels I love, I love a little bit of psych, psychedelic trippy shit um, I love sleep, I'm like uh, yeah, but then there's also uh, albums. That's a hard one. Um, Kendrick Lamar,
2: Rihanna, mad and kid. Rihanna.
1: Anti. Kendrick Lamar. Mad. Mad kid. Bad city. Bad,
2: <laughs> bad kid.
1: kid good, mad city. Good city. Good kid. <laughs> good kid. <laughs> oh, I always. It's just M A A. I just look at the cover. art What is it? Good kid. Mad bad city. Good kid. Mad, mad city. city. Mm-hmm. What else? Oh, fuck, that's hard.
2: Caroline Polacek as well, um, h- hugely influenced by her vocals. She just released a solo album. Um, I think it's called Pang. Mm. can't remember that. I listened to that, like, back-to-back on the reg when she first put it out. Currently
1: listening to a lot of R&B, to be honest. Like, I think that I go back to old old albums for when I'm feeling dark and when I'm feeling, like, connecting to that. Um, but currently listening to a lot of R&B. Ari Lennox, Summer Walker.
3: Mm.
1: Anyone listening to this podcast is going to be like, who the yeah. fuck are
3: these like, people? What the hell?
1: <laughs> but I think that, like, we're all... I know Beckett's into Doja Cat at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to kill us out in. Yeah, and, and Cult of Luna, lots of, like, atmospheric... Um, style bands, oh, and yeah, Explosions in the sky. It's been mm, a good decade of definitely everything. we've yeah. done. Um, but yeah, that's a really hard question. I'm just thinking of like recently what I've listened to, um, or what I go back to when I when I need a soul cleansing. And it's um, yeah, pharmacon. I like sometimes I go down that hole for a bit. A bit of noise. <laughs> Um, female-fronted projects uh, lately in the past five years or so, like I've been very drawn to, and I feel like in heavy music, a lot of women have fronted so many bands, or there are women in the projects at least. Where, yeah, as a woman, um, I identify with that and um, feel like there's a sense of belonging. So, yeah, Lingua Ignota
3: yeah,
2: amazing, life-changing stuff.
3: Mm.
1: What else did I see at Dark Mofo this year? Also, like the the, the
2: hoodie EP by yeah. Fortune's, Fortunes as well. Yeah. Local act. Yeah, it's such a big question. Hey. Yeah, we're and we're, <laughs> we're so friendly. all over the place.
1: Like we're <laughs> Is at least it? me and Abby. I'm sure the other the other guys could probably narrow it down. <laughs> but, but then Kyle would take you down some like techno dark,
3: yeah,
1: dark techno, techno experimental electronic lane and yeah we're all we're all we have very eclectic taste collectively I think we there's only we all teach each other about music it's very rare I think Abby and I Abby and I like we spend the most time together apart from obviously Andy and I who are married but um
3: (laughs) second (laughs) to that it's me and Abby
1: Um, yeah and so I think musically like we share the most like directly but otherwise we're always just teaching each other Mm -hmm.
0: Mm. it's a related question there'll be a bit of crossover so like mm-hmm. you know, throw out or whatever um, but like, what have you been listening to reading, watching or playing lately?
1: Ooh. I have been I just finished The Name of the Wind by um, Rothfuss what's his first name this really epic fantasy novel it was like 700 pages um, and I loved it. And apparently, there's—it's a trilogy. So I love um, fantasy, science fiction. Um, I also read a lot of books, um, yoga books, so um, books on spirituality, books on um, personal development and growth. Um, really complex topics. <laughs> I
2: pick those up and put those down. But um, I. I Like recently, the the most recent book I read was actually something Elisa gave to me when we went overseas together a little while ago, and it was the Lydia Lunch um, Paradoxia. Yeah, wow. Have you read that? Don't read it. It's pretty, it's
1: it's a memoir of her work.
2: But playing, do you mean playing as in video games? Yeah. Okay, so NBA 2K20. um, Been a little bit obsessed with that. Um, I think my neighbours probably think I'm a crazy person because there's a lot of screaming going on. (laughs) I get really loving that at the
3: moment.
2: Yeah. And then watching this um, show, which is really odd for me to watch because I don't eat meat or anything like that, but there's a series called Meat Eater, and it's about this American guy who lives off the land and, like, hunts animals with a bow and arrow and this is of show yeah wow and i've just been watching how he that's just how he does his thing and then how he like makes these really gourmet meals afterwards in his backyard with like the deer that he just caught it's really interesting <laughs> <laughs> um
1: i don't play video games I'm not competitive, so I'm just shit at those types of things. I'm just like, you win. Although I am good at Street Fighter. What's that game you had on at your house?
2: Um, the button mashing. Yeah. I just push the button.
1: <laughs> street Fighter. But the I button. do read. I'm in a book club. We're currently reading The Yield by Tara, Tara June Lynch, I believe is her name. I'm also really bad with names. But Indigenous writers, we've been reading the last two books we've read are by Indigenous authors and um, fiction, beautiful novels. But, um, yeah, that's also a good place I love to read. So its um, we meet, like, once every six weeks and pick a new book and discuss um, Is it. Is it six weeks? Yeah, roughly. But um, it's its a good place for me to expand, because otherwise I would just read Harry Potter over and over again. Um yeah she loves her book club I do love my book club (laughs) (laughs) but listening to yeah Yeah. R&B and like Afrobeat lots of like Afrobeat um lots of uh like reggaeton kind of Latino influence
2: Latina influence music um (sighs) I've been listening to a lot of like pop stuff I mean, I know, like, that probably doesn't seem surprising, but more than usual lately, there's an artist called um, Benny from New Zealand, and their voice and their, like, melodies and the way they write songs is phenomenal. And she's only 20 years old, so I can't take my ears away from that at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I haven't
1: had anything, um, and this means I need to reach out for new music, but, like, as far as... Yeah, anything down the heavy lane I, I have just kind of recycled the same albums over and over again for a while And I think summer for me, I I go in and out of my waves But summer for me is generally like when I listen to more um,
2: upbeat stuff yeah. Oh, and Blind Girls now too Yeah, fuck yeah So, so much good. Girls Yeah, because I've just been like obsessed with that at the moment
0: to Abby and Elisa for Changing Me. That song we played in the middle was Second Summer by Grief, their debut single. Before I let you go, I want to give a few recommendations. The first is, and I'm going to butcher all these because I don't know French, even though I took it for about seven years in school, but I didn't pay attention. Um, but the first one is by a, I, th- I believe it's a guy from Belgium um, doing a sort of project. I haven't had an opportunity to listen much of his other work, but I, I get the impression that a lot of it's a lot of different stuff, and this is kind of one in just an, a new series of albums he's working on releasing. It goes by Deha, D E H A. I, I, again, I apologise; I don't know how correct that is. And the album's called A "Fleur de Pur." One, there is no home. It'll be in the podcast description, so just go there. It's basically a single track post black metal album, if that's kind of an appropriate description, but it's very doomily paced in a lot of sections. Um, if you're at all familiar with some some of the kind of, maybe not sort of black and doom bands, but like some of these bands which draw on those kind of traditions but sort of pace themselves very, very soberly and don't embrace some of the more fast black metal drumming and, and, and riffing. Phenomenal vocals in this album both harsh and clean. That was one of the things that really, really bowled me over about this. And it's basically just the perfect kind of album to appeal to me. Uh, I think for you to really appreciate it, you might have to be one of the kind of people who enjoys or doesn't have an issue with like the kind of repetition that's present in some of these kind of black and doomy albums. Um, but regardless, it is a single-track album, and I think even the best of them can be a little bit of a chore. So if you're going to have a listen, or have a crack at it, um, make sure you've got a chunk of time, it's a f- about 40 minutes, and sort of be in the right space to enjoy it, because I, I definitely appreciate it, but it's something you're going to kind of have a really sort of feel nice and free and nice and nice and laid back to listen to, I think. The next one I want to recommend is Rion de Ver Morir by Angel Law, and it's a mixture of Doom... Gothic symphonic metal, and the first track, "A Romance of Thorns," even mixes a couple of other albums, including folk and the Gregorian chant, and a bit of black metal as well. And though I enjoyed that long opening track, again, it's, it's it's got a long track, twenty minute opening track. It and the other long songs album don't feel like they can quite justify their lengths. The other two being "Drowned Divine" and uh, "Quelle Le C'est D'Impossible." They do have enjoyable parts to them, and it's not, I didn't dislike them, but there is a, a quality to a long song, where it needs to feel like, alright, you know, I can keep going, rather than like forcing the point. The shorter songs, particularly the second track, Dreams Along the Trail, adhere more to kind of related elements in between different sections, and flow a lot better. And that second track really, I, I think it, it's really, really superb, particularly the I think this album's really at its best when it is going for a very, very full, lush sounds full of uh, synth strings as well as maybe a, a flute or a piano part accompanied by some guitars. I, I think those are the parts which really work on this album. So check those out. They'll be both in the podcast description. Um, if you want to hit me up on social media, I'm at OzHunger, that's A-U-S-Hunger, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can send me an email, australianhunger at com. If you have any comments, questions, or if you're a band and you want to set up an interview, maybe we can work something out. Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye.